the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Ring of Truth with our pastor and teacher, Dan Sexton, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City. Please join Pastor Dan as he teaches through God's Word. You never see God frantic in the Bible. You never see God worried in the Bible. You never see God, you know, up in heaven, wringing his hands, pacing back and forth, going, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do about the Assyrians? They're so powerful. God doesn't panic. He never panics. What causes anxiety and worry in your life? If you look closely, it probably comes down to where your trust is placed. In his teaching in Isaiah, Pastor Dan speaks of the folly of trusting others. Judah shifted their confidence from God to other nations and learned the hard way that people aren't reliable. The more you learn about God's character, the more you'll find he's not prone to worry and anxiety. Because of this, you can confidently place your hope in God alone, letting go of your cares and concerns because he's unwavering. And now open your Bibles to the book of Isaiah, chapters 17 and 18, as we join Pastor Dan for today's edition of Ring of Truth. They have forsaken the Lord, the fountain of living water, and instead they're trusting in hewn cisterns, things that they've made, but their cisterns hold no water. (laughs) And they're trusting in these cisterns, but their cisterns are flawed and they hold no water. He goes on to say in verse 10, Therefore, you will plant pleasant plants and set out foreign seedlings. In that day, you will make your plant to grow. And in the morning, you will make your seed to flourish. But the harvest will be as a heap of ruins. In the day of grief and desperate sorrow. He says here, you know, that they, they planted pleasant plants and they set out foreign seedlings, foreign seeds, meaning they looked to a foreign nation. They looked to Syria to save them. And it says in verse 11 that, you know, that the seeds grew uh, and flourished initially, but in the end there was no harvest. In other words, the plans that the northern kingdom came up with of, of looking to Syria, making this alliance with Syria, and entering into this agreement with them, this confederation with them, At first, it it looked like it was going to succeed. It looked like it was a good idea. It looked like that they were going to be victorious through this. It was going to be successful. But in the end, it didn't work. In the end, it led to ruin. It led to grief. It led to sorrow. And that's all that they got out of it. Just a disappointment. 
Now here, all their hope was in this. And it just was a big disappointment. Because they weren't looking to the Lord. Verse 12. Woe to the multitude of many people who make a noise like the roar of the seas and to the rushing of nations that make a rushing like the rushing of mighty waters. This is describing the sound of the invading Assyrian army. It would be like, you know, the sound of rushing water, the roar of the sea. The nations will rush like the rushing of many waters, but God will rebuke them and they will flee far away and be chased like the chaff of the mountains before the wind, like a rolling thing before the whirlwind, like a tumbleweed. Then behold, at evening time, trouble, and before the morning, the trouble is no more. This is the portion of those who plunder us and the lot of those who rob us. Assyria will practically wipe out the nation of Israel, the northern kingdom, but when they enter into the southern kingdom of Judah, remember this is written to Judah, and they attempt to attack Jerusalem, God will stop them. God will rebuke them and they will flee far away, it says. And, and this actually takes place in Isaiah chapter 37. When we get there, we'll read about it. But Isaiah chapter 37, verse 36, if you're taking notes, it tells us that when the Assyrian army came to attack Jerusalem, they camped just outside the city on Mount Scopus, just to the east of Jerusalem. And we're told there in Isaiah 37 that uh, in the night, an angel of the Lord killed 185,000 Assyrian soldiers. So that when the citizens of Jerusalem woke up the next morning, all they saw outside the city wall were dead corpses of the Assyrian army. This is recorded in secular history as well. Other nations wrote about this defeat of the Assyrian army. And so that's what is meant here um, in verse 14 when, he, when it says, At evening time, the people of Judah thought, you know, they're in grave trouble, but before morning their trouble was no more. The Lord delivered Jerusalem. And he says, This is the portion of those who plunder us and the lot of those who rob us, speaking of Jerusalem. And the Bible says, that Israel is the apple of God's eye. And the Bible says that God has put his name on the city of Jerusalem, that Jerusalem belongs to him. And so any nation that comes against his people or against his nation, his land, Israel, or that city, Jerusalem, they're really coming against the Lord. And they're not going to succeed. And you can just look at history. And you can look at history and you can see that no nation has succeeded against Jerusalem. Jerusalem has been destroyed 17 times and it's been rebuilt 18 times. It still exists as a city today. But you can go through the, the history and there's no, there's no Egyptian empire. There's no Assyrian empire. There's no uh, Babylonian empire. There's no Persian empire anymore. Uh, and you can go, there's no Roman Empire, all the way down to the 20th century. There, there's no Third Reich anymore. There's no Nazi Germany anymore. All of these nations that have come against God's people have been destroyed ultimately, but God's people still exist. Israel's a nation again. Jerusalem is still the holy city. It's still God's city. 
His name is still there because they belong to God. And so he says here, that this, this is what happens to those who try to plunder us and the lot of those who try to rob us. Then we get to chapter 18. Now we have the fifth burden, and this is the burden against Ethiopia. Ethiopia is also called Cush in your Bible. Uh, Cush is also mentioned in Ezekiel 38 as one of the attacking nations, along with Russia and Persia, that try to invade Israel in the last days. In Isaiah's day, Ethiopia was much larger than it is today. It included parts of Egypt, uh, parts of modern-day Sudan and Somalia. So it was a much larger empire. Uh, And in in Isaiah's day, Ethiopia was a major world power, and its chief rival was Assyria. And so you 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 have Assyria to the northeast of the land of Israel, and you have the Ethiopian Empire to the southwest. And then between those two empires is Israel and Judah. And so those two empires had a lot of interest in Israel and in controlling Israel and the land of Judah as well, because they were rivals. So it goes on here in verse 1, Woe to the land, shadowed with buzzing wings, which is beyond the rivers of Ethiopia. The the buzzing wings here, the land is shadowed by the buzzing wings. Uh, It's believed this is a reference to the many species of birds that migrate to that part of Africa and spend the winter there in that part of Africa. Uh, You know, there's over, today, there's over a billion birds that migrate to that part of Africa every year. And they actually migrate, most of them migrate through Israel. And so those birds migrate through the land of Israel as well. Uh, And so it's believed this is a reference to that, the buzzing wings that overshadow the land. And look at verse 2, which sends ambassadors by sea, even in vessels of reed on the waters, on the Nile River is the idea here, saying, Go, swift messengers, to a nation tall and smooth of skin, to a people terrible from their beginning onward, a nation powerful and treading down, whose land the rivers divide, all the inhabitants of the world and dwellers on the earth. When he lifts up a banner on the mountains, you see it, and when he blows a trumpet, you hear it. Uh, this, This seems to be referring to Ethiopia sending out ambassadors to the surrounding nations trying to form an alliance against Assyria because they're concerned about Assyria, you know, invading and moving down into that region. And so Ethiopia sent out all these ambassadors by sea and over land to try to form a coalition of nations to fight against Assyria. Uh, And it's believed also that they even sent ambassadors to Judah to try to get Judah to join their coalition of nations against Assyria. Assyrian. So that's what's being described here. Now look what God's doing, though, in verse 4. For the Lord said to me, I will take my rest. <laughs> so you have this contrast here between the Ethiopians and the Lord. The, the Ethiopians were frantically sending ambassadors all around to all the nations around to try to form this alliance against Assyria. And what was God doing? God was resting. He's resting. God wasn't 
worry. God's completely confident of how this is going to turn out. God wasn't worrying. He wasn't frantic. He wasn't scurrying around trying to form a coalition of nations to fight against Assyria. You never see God frantic in the Bible. You never see God worried in the Bible. You never see God, you know, up in heaven, wringing his hands, pacing back and forth, going, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do about the Assyrians? They're so powerful. God doesn't panic. He never panics. You remember back in chapter 6, when King Uzziah died, this great king, a godly king, the nation prospered under King Uzziah, and then he died. He reigned for more than 50 years, and the nation of Judah was worried because their king was dead. And what will happen now to the nation now that Uzziah is dead? And the whole nation is worried about this. And in the midst of that, Isaiah had this vision. And in his vision, he sees God seated on his throne in heaven. And he describes the king, speaking of the Lord, was seated on his throne. The Lord wasn't worried about King Uzziah's death. You know, Judah's throne was empty, but heaven's throne was occupied. God was still on his throne. And for Uzziah to be able, as this prophet of God, to go to the nation and declare to them, God's still on his throne. (laughs) Uzziah's no longer on the throne, but it's going to be okay because God's still on his throne in heaven. Or in the New Testament, when the disciples were in a boat on the Sea of Galilee and they got caught in that storm, you remember that story? And they're trying everything to bail the water out, to keep the ship afloat. And where was Jesus? asleep in the bow of the boat. He wasn't worried. He wasn't worried about the storm. And remember the disciples, they go to Jesus and they say, don't you care that we're perishing? They weren't perishing. They thought Jesus didn't care because he wasn't doing anything. But he's not doing anything because he knows nothing's going to happen. That they're going to come through the storm and get to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, just like he said. He wasn't worried. And here... You know, the Ethiopians, they're desperately trying to come up with a plan against the Assyrians and form this coalition of nations to fight against the Assyrians. And God was in heaven resting. If God's not worried about it, then we shouldn't be worried about it, right? Remember, he's writing this to Judah to try to show them the folly of trusting in these other nations. And he's showing them with Ethiopia. Hey, Ethiopia is trying to do all these things, but look, God, God's just resting. God's not worried about it. So you don't need to be worried about it. And here's what the Lord says in verse 4, as far as Assyria goes. I will look from my dwelling place like clear heat and sunshine, like a cloud of dew in the heat of harvest. For before the harvest, when the bud is perfect and the sour grape is ripening and the flower He will both cut off the sprigs with pruning hooks and take away and cut down the branches. And they will be left together for the mountain birds of prey and for the beasts of the earth. The birds of prey will summer on them and all the beasts of the earth will winter on them. 
God's resting because God knows he can deal with the Assyrian army. And God knows that he, he can just cut them down like, like removing a branch from a grapevine. Just pruning a plant. It's no big deal to God. And he says here in verse 6 that the Assyrian army, again, they will be left for the mountain birds of prey and for the beasts of the earth. The birds of prey will summer on them and all the beasts of the earth will winter on them. Again, 185,000 Assyrians are killed in one night and their corpses are just lying there and the wild animals and the migrating birds that are migrating through Israel will feast on them. Similar descriptions given at the end of uh, Revelation 19, at the end of the Battle of Armageddon, where the angel calls the birds to come and feast on the carcasses of the armies that have fallen, that have been destroyed by the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, isn't it interesting that uh, those birds migrate through Israel? There's going to be this final battle that takes place in Israel. There's going to be all these carcasses on the ground. And the angel is going to call the birds of the air to come and feed on all the carcasses. I think that's interesting. (laughs) Verse 7 says, In that time, now look what it says in verse 7. In that time, a present will be brought to the Lord of hosts from a people tall and smooth of skin. That's speaking of the Ethiopians. And from a people terrible from their beginning onward, a nation powerful and treading down, whose land the rivers divide. Again, Ethiopia, the Ethiopian Empire. This present will be brought to the Lord of hosts, to the place of the name of the Lord of hosts, to Mount Zion. Isaiah tells us there will be a day when the Ethiopians will bring a present to the Lord at Mount Zion in Jerusalem. They will come and they will worship the Lord in Mount Zion, in Jerusalem, at the temple. Now, when does that happen? Acts chapter 8. And here you have the story, Acts chapter 8, verse 26, of the Ethiopian eunuch. Verse 26, Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. At this point, Philip is in Samaria, and a a revival has broken out there in Samaria, and Philip is in the middle of all of that. And now the, the Lord spoke to him and told him to leave and go down the road that heads towards Gaza. And This is desert. Not telling him where he's going, just to go. So he did. He was obedient, and he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority, he's a government official, under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury, and look what he did. He had come to Jerusalem to worship, and he was returning. He's heading back home. He's heading back down to Ethiopia, so he had gone up to Jerusalem to worship the Lord at the temple in Jerusalem, just like Isaiah said the Ethiopians would do. And now he's heading back to Ethiopia. And look, verse 28, and he's sitting in his chariot, and what is he reading? Isaiah the prophet. Then the Spirit said to Philip, go near and overtake this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you're reading? 
And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. The place in the scripture which he read was, he was led as a lamb to the slaughter and as a lamb before its shear is silent. So he opened not his mouth in his humiliation. His justice was taken away. And who will declare his generation for his life is taken from the earth. That's Isaiah 53. This guy just happens to be reading Isaiah. It's possible this is the only scroll he owned. How did he know to go to Jerusalem to worship? Where did he ever get that idea that an Ethiopian should go to Jerusalem to worship? Maybe he got it from Isaiah 18. And here he is now. He's reading Isaiah 53. So verse 34, the the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does the prophet say this? Of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning at this scripture, he preached Jesus to him. Now, as they went down the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, see, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? And then Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. And so he commanded the chariot to stand still. And both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and he baptized him. Now, when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord caught Philip away so that the eunuch saw him no more. And he went on his way rejoicing, going back to Ethiopia. And so here you have this Ethiopian. And all that we know that he has is a scroll of Isaiah. And somehow he knows he's supposed to go up to Jerusalem to worship at the temple, which he does. And now he's coming back. And Philip preaches the gospel to him, preaches Jesus to him. He's born again. He's baptized. And then he goes back down to Ethiopia. And we know historically that a church was birthed in Ethiopia. And one of the strongest Christian churches was in Ethiopia after this time. And it could be, we don't know, it could be from this guy. And we don't know why he went to Jerusalem or wherever he got, whatever gave him that idea, but it could be He has this one scroll of Isaiah and he gets to Isaiah 18 and it talks about the Ethiopians bringing a present to the Lord of hosts, to the place of the name of the Lord of hosts there in Jerusalem at Mount Zion. And so that's what he does because that's what it says to do. He asked me how I know and I say bring truer than the finest crystal. We're so glad you joined us today for Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. If you missed any part of this message or would like to hear additional teachings from this series, they're available to you for free at calvaryec.com. While you're there, be sure to subscribe to our podcast. That way you will have access to each message as soon as it's made available online. That website again is calvaryec.com. If you live in the Baltimore, Washington area, we'd love for you to worship with us this Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. Calvary Chapel is located in Columbia, Maryland, only minutes from Route 95, Route 29, or Route 100. For more information on what you can expect when you visit, go to calvaryec.com or give us a call. We can be reached at 410-491-4592. Again, that phone number is 410-491-4592. We look forward to you joining us as our guests. And please, 
Take a moment to introduce yourself to Pastor Dan after the service and let him know you listen to Ring of Truth. With that, our time with you has come to an end today on Ring of Truth. Join Pastor Dan next time for more from this verse-by-verse, chapter-by-chapter study of the book of Isaiah, right here on Ring of Truth. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.